listening to Between the Laughs, the fortnightly podcast in which four comedy fans watch a sitcom and then overanalyze it like it's a GCSE English literature exam. I'm Rob Cowan, broadcasting for one final time from San Francisco, and I'm joined once more by Mike Techman in Brighton and Paul Brunger in Manchester. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hi. Once again, we're going to be... Uh, Watching and then, well, we've already done the watching. That'd be boring if you just had to listen to us watching. Like Soccer Saturday. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Garth Crooks. Moss has said a funny thing. He's got a hot ear. Once again, we've watched a comedy and we're going to be chatting about it and you're going to be listening to it. But you can join in with us by uh, following us and messaging us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Between Laughs and Facebook.com slash Between the Laughs. Or you can email us at Between the Laughs at gmail.com. Aside from this week's homework, have we been watching anything good recently? Not not with my eyes. I have been listening to uh, another podcast. Uh, I've, been, I've been listening to Quickly Kevin Willie Score, which is uh, Josh Widdicombe and Chris Skull's podcast about football in the 90s when it was better. Uh, and, uh, yeah, also it's funny to just, like, you can get a laugh just by saying Tony Yeboah uh, or yeah. Peter and Love. That's fine. That's That has been the biggest laugh of this episode, guaranteed. I do love that, although although I came at it, the first time I heard of it was when you told me that they'd ripped off the football sticker Top Trumps game that we've been playing for over 10 years via, via the radio and podcasts. Yeah, bastards. Yeah. <laughs> they, they actually played it with David May, though, rather than just you and me and Matt Bird. So, I mean, if anything, they've developed that format slightly by getting a Champions League winner involved, which doesn't seem entirely fair. It's all about connections. It's all who you know. So I looked up our very first uh, recording of us doing football sticker top trumps from January 2006, and um, uh, we get a Neville. Oh, the first go. And the first, the first go, a Neville comes out. Jeez so, Louise. But, um, yeah, Mike, we, 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 uh, we used to do a football sticker top trumps at the end, and the rules were that shinies were high and Nevilles were trumps. No, <laughs> other way around. Other way around. Nevilles were high and shinies were trumps. Yes. And um, in our very first... The, certainly the very first one I was in. A Neville comes out the bag. I think we got one on the last one that we did together as well. Anyway, <laughs> let's continue with the actual podcast we're recording rather than talking about a, a podcast we recorded 12 years ago. <laughs> I've been uh, I've been enjoying Silicon Valley, um, partly because it's, it's set where I live, but, and, it's, and it's about the, the people that I bump into on a day-to-day basis who are these awkward but highly overpaid people who think that their idea is going to change the world and really it, it wouldn't um but it's very funny it's it's i don't know where you get it from in the in the uk um but it's it's on hbo in the us it's on now tv actually uh, i've watched the first season and i think it, and i thought it was really really funny um yeah i really really enjoyed it great so maybe that's something we can we can uh, come back to uh way down the line we've got a, quite a shopping list of, of episodes uh, still to come we should we should at some point mention that sarah's not here <laughs> she just vanished into the ether she's got exactly the same technical issues that she had two weeks ago exactly that mike had gastrointestinal problems for three weeks in a row they, it was it was severe uh and i'm never eating celery again that's that's the is that, that what that? it was? You brought low by celery. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, I'm allergic to celery now. You're allergic to celery. Wow. Yeah, I didn't realise it was a thing you could be if, allergic to. If any to, of our but... listeners have got anything uh, even more weak than celery that they're allergic to, just tweet us at, uh, <laughs> at Between Laughs. It's a nightmare when I want to have crudités. 
<laughs> you've, you've changed. <laughs> this this is a PG rated podcast. So, we'll have no crudities on here. <laughs> that's our first real joke. <laughs> Do we have like a horn five noise episodes for that? coming? But we're getting there. <laughs> so. Uh, it was my turn to pick this week's sitcom, and I'd gone for a musical, a musical sitcom. It was exclusive to Netflix in both the UK and the US. Uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is an Emmy Award-winning comedy written by Rachel Bloom and Aileen Brosh McKenna, and it stars Bloom as Rebecca Bunch, a high-flying New York lawyer who leaves it all behind to track down her teenage crush to small town Southern California. But I thought she was just happening to go there, and he happened to be there. <laughs> <laughs> no, West Covina is a real place. Really? Is it? Yeah. How far is it from I, the I sea? It up. It's not actually a small town at all. It's it's a suburb of LA, but it's just LA is so huge and sprawling that it looks like a suburb, and it still takes two hours to get to the the, the, ocean. the, the sea or yeah. four hours in traffic. <laughs> um, I loved Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I got I got properly hooked on it for a, a few weeks, and I, I've actually I've worked my way through all the seasons. Um, I think it's 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 very funny. I think the musicals uh, are done. Uh, so the musical numbers are done very well. Um, I think I think they're mostly very funny, and I think the the characters are are, are very. I don't know. They're, they're all very likable. Even even occasionally when you get a bad character in there, as in a bad in inverted commas, you know, bad guy character. Whether it's um, uh, Josh's fiance uh, in the in the early seasons or or later Nathaniel. They all become nice ultimately, uh, and, and I think very importantly, and this this is much more the case in the later seasons. Uh, but it's dealt with from literally from episode one, uh, mental illness. Yeah, I thought that that was. I thought it was. It's been really, really, really clever how they've how they've dealt with that. And I think that um, we've seen quite a few uh, sitcoms that are tackling that uh, that sort of subject matter these days. And I think it's a it's it's a really intelligent and delicate treating of it in this in this in this show i think that the um i think the idea of using song to highlight someone's uh in a monologue that's kind of saying all the worst things that they can think of is a really smart thing to do because it kind of it takes the edge off of it like there's that song in one of the early episodes about josh's girlfriend where she's like saying singing things like she wants to wear her skin like a dress and stuff like that uh, <laughs> and you can't say that without music you've got to you've yeah. got to have a, if you want to say that sort of thing you really got to sing it um and uh, and i think it, it that it's it's really cool like the way they've got all of these like high production values very glitzy um treatment of the show and it's all sunny and colorful and i think that's that's really cool because that's obviously it's it's kind of a mirror of the facade that um that rebecca is putting on during the show right so she's you know putting on this very kind of glitzy and capable and smiley facade a lot of the time uh but it is just but she's obviously very manic and then the show kind of mirrors that with all the music i think it, i think it's really a really smart show what did you think about it paul uh so i have not uh hadn't seen it before and i I actually thought I'd watched more than I had because I kind of felt like, oh, I've watched quite a lot of this now and I realised it was only in the fourth episode, uh, which probably wasn't a good sign <laughs> that, that it felt like it was uh, it was taking that long. There's definitely some really good stuff there that I enjoyed, but I also felt um, it 
moved a bit slowly or the episodes were a bit long. I found myself sort of going, oh, is there going to be a song now? Uh, and when there wasn't, being a little bit disappointed <laughs> with it at times. So I was really interested to hear you guys who um, sort of are probably more up on the mental illness side. I did think that was interesting So because it, it's kind of clear that it is a factor in a character, but it's not done purely as an exploration of that as much as I thought the title maybe suggested. I thought it was going to kind of go go heavier on that stuff, whereas you it, kind of feel like it it's... Later. Yeah, okay. I, so I'm probably not there three, yet. Season three deals much more heavily with it, uh, and there's a re-diagnosis and things like that. Um, oh, that's interesting because that that feels that feels like a good time to be to be having that discussion. I guess I think uh, I, I guess if you're trying to sort of make it happy musical hidden somewhere on Netflix, you kind of don't necessarily be very brave to to start with that. You know, it's the sort of thing you put out on your BBC BBC Two late at night. I guess I didn't necessarily always find I, th- I thought she was a very interesting character um i thought her relationship with the the paralegal in the office who becomes her kind of new best friend um that didn't turn out the way i thought it was going to at first i thought they were going to be kind of best of enemies or something um yeah and so it was quite nice that 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 then got it together uh i'd have to say my absolute favorite character or or at least living running joke is the fact that the communications director of the law firm never <laughs> says a single word in, yeah. in as far as I've seen in the whole thing. Fantastic. And I love not only is that true, but not only is a job director of communication director of communications that gets mentioned once up front uh, before you realise that's the joke. <laughs> yeah, I, I missed that she was the director of communications, but yeah, she's silent. So she, she does eventually get a voice, but she's uh, certainly silent for the first few se- first couple of seasons. I think. Yeah, well, that, that's that's what I loved about it. Is it really made you work? Because he said, oh, "Here's our director of communications," and she sort of raises her eyebrows. And think, oh, that's quite funny. She wasn't very communicative there, and then it turns out to be a massive running gag that she never speaks. Uh, so I was a big fan of that. I love as well the, the the character naming that they do the, the th- similar to Arrested Development where they don't shy away from the idea that two people can have the same name. Yes. So you've got Josh and White Josh. I love that. I love and that. It, and it, I like that he's called White Josh for two reasons. One because he looks exactly like Josh but white, and the other because that's he's just that is his name. He is also called Josh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought that was a very funny joke, and I think there's a lot of little kind of funny uh, bits of dialogue like that that really. Uh, I think the particularly. I particularly liked Josh's friends. I thought they were quite a funny uh, group of characters. These kind of like yeah. uh, California bros who are kind of uh, all kind of jacked up and kind of a, a, like a bit dim and like lazy, but also just very, very funny. I, I, I really liked uh, the scenes that they were in. It's, it's interesting because I, I, I didn't really like them, but... I liked exactly the same joke when it was in the form of a priest, <laughs> when his yeah. uh, his priest yeah. is, is Father Broseph or something like this, and uh, that Bra- I really enjoyed. Yeah, that yeah. Was, yeah, that was funny. And I, I think you know, I think naming is they obviously is a, is a very I think is they've been very thoughtful with a lot of the like naming elements of the show. So I think calling it Crazy Ex Girlfriend is. Um, is a really really interesting thing that they've done because it's you know it's it's quite provocative and it's it's sort of attacking this kind of crazy this crazy ex kind of yeah. uh, cliche um, yeah. where you're like oh no she has actually got quite a lot of going, uh, problems going on you know um, it 
when you hear the when you hear the name Crazy Ex Girlfriend, you think it's going to be some sort of like uh, straight to DVD rom com starring like uh, the guy from High School Musical. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it, it sounds like. Yeah, it's that's going to be like Jennifer <laughs> Aniston and uh, and like I don't know Paul Rudd or something, and uh, yeah. it it it's going to be about some girl who just can't get over a guy, but it's actually so much more smart than that. Um, though fundamentally, it is about that. Yeah, and I, and I do think I do think the name is it, that is very clever and it is really interesting. It's exactly yeah, it's it's flagged up exactly how you might summarize it to someone in a really glib way, but also those are the ideas that. That actually were kind of breaking down or, or going beyond. I did quite like that in terms of the characters, it's not that she's necessarily mega sympathetic, but it's that actually you know, they all have a go at her in episode three or four or something as actually she's the she's the bad person <laughs> and they're yeah. actually all nuts yeah. so she she's just the worst person in their lives. Um so that that did make me laugh. Um, but it, yeah, it, it is sort of interesting. And there were, there were bits like that that I sort of, before they made the point of it, I was a bit like, well, I think very early on, she looks like she's going to be enemies with, with Paula, then his best friends, and then sort of immediately discards her when yeah. the chance to be friends with, with uh, Josh's current sexy girlfriend comes along and I was I was sort of quite genuinely annoyed that she'd went oh well, clearly as long as this per- as soon as this person's come along she's run off with her and kind of ditched uh Paula to, to her own problems um so that that was quite kind of quite interesting but I do I I definitely felt there were good stuff there was good stuff in there uh, and I enjoyed most of the songs more more on which later uh but I did also feel there was a lot of stuff that I just didn't kind of didn't hit me or didn't connect with me um, or and I kind of wondered whether that was because I've not lived in 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 that culture, or whether I was kind of missing some of the beats around that, or whether it just the pacing of it didn't didn't work for me, or or whatever it was. But that that was my sort of principal problem with it is there was some good stuff, but there was also some bits that I thought, oh, that bit's a bit weak. Whereas as as a Californian bro myself, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, I, <laughs> Obviously, I but I, I I think the songs are, uh, are great. I, I think th- what they some, sometimes they've been used to kind of break down the fourth wall. Playing with this idea of, is the song happening in the room there or is the song just for our benefit? Are they stepping outside of the scene to do the song? Yeah, and I, I kind of felt like the my sort of interpretation of the songs are almost like um, her internal monologue, her sort of uh, catastrophizing and over-analyzing everything that's kind of going on around her. Um I think, I, I mean, I really like the songs, and I think that the one sort of the one um, reservation I have it about it as a show is I find the central premise a little bit uh, shaky. Like, yes. I, I get the idea. I get the idea that she's like a corporate lawyer and she just wants to pan it all in and, and run away. I think that bit, I'm like, yeah, and I I, I get how it could be that she's latched onto this. Uh, Josh guy and been like right I'm gonna go chase him um, but it almost it almost doesn't need Josh for, for her to be running away uh, and it becomes almost less about her running away and more about her running to him I find it very hard to get behind her quest to get Josh because it's so clearly from my point of view who sort of is very 
don't know, analytical about these things is very, it's clearly a shit idea. And I find it very hard to get behind it because even if she gets the thing that she's, she's questing for, I'm like, uh, but that's, I don't think you'll be happy. <laughs> that's a terrible no. idea. I, I, there have been three seasons. I, th- I think maybe there's more in the pipeline. Um, and kind of by season three, Josh isn't, that isn't the focus anymore. Because I had some kind of concerns that, again, I think we talked in the last episode about sometimes you have programmes where the the main plot of an episode feels strong and then some of the, the B plots don't feel that good. And I, I felt like for something where the, the, you, in the first couple of episodes you very much hang your hat on this central premise of the Josh quest, uh, especially in the first two episodes. Uh, and so that's built up to be a big deal. But then you kind of spend a lot of time on really odd things that are brought in, like Paula's now in charge of the office for the day, uh, or how's Paula's kid doing at school? And I'm just thinking, oh, hang on, this is this feels a bit sort of tactical on the side, and I kind of don't know whether I'm interested in in that because yeah, we've only just met the people in the office, and we've we've met a whole bunch of people very shallowly, and I don't know that I care what happens to them. I after I found (laughs) kind of some of that extra stuff coming in in the first few episodes. I found myself thinking, oh my goodness, if if these are our B plots now, am I going to be interested in this stuff by the end of the season? So I, I kind of got to the fourth episode and did kind of stop uh, and probably wasn't intending to to actively follow up on it. I think they do have to do that work at the beginning to to expand it beyond her as a character because as the series progresses, they flesh out the, the side plots a lot more. So it becomes about a lot more than just Rebecca Bunch. It's also about Paula's life. It's also about White White Josh and Daryl. Um, I like some of the Daryl stuff I've seen, actually. Yeah. I think my, probably my one of my favourite songs in it, at least from the comedy perspective, I don't think it's the best song, uh, is the one about the love between a daddy and a daughter. Isn't oh, weird. So that's, good. That's yeah. one of my favourite songs. So uh, and I like, I like Daryl as a character. I think that's really funny. It's funny when, when when White Josh is first introduced, he's portrayed. He, he comes around to help uh, help help non-White Josh with the plumbing. Yeah, and uh, he's uh, he's portrayed as being just this this boring fitness obsessed guy. Actually, but it, but that doesn't last very long. It becomes a much more detailed character. It's interesting how within the space of a, a single season, it's not like not like they kind of reflected on it after the season and changed him. He becomes a much better character later. Um, parenting is an interesting theme right through it as well. Uh, and maybe if if you're sort of four or five episodes in, it won't be as obvious yet. But um, all of the main characters, or most of the main characters, you realise have developed certain traits as a result of. Their parenting. So Rebecca's absent father and uh, overbearing mother. Uh, Greg, who's the, the barman, he his he's a very bitter guy because his his mother walked out on his family and he's had to look after his his sick father. Uh, Nathaniel, who who appears in I think season two, I guess, um, and and Paula as well. Both have quite abusive fathers. And and the, and the flip side of that is is the only one with really lovely nice parents is Heather the next door neighbor. And as a result of that, she's lacking any ambition because she's sort of just been coddled and told that she's amazing at everything the whole time. Uh, and, and so she's ended up being a student for nine years or something. I, um, I guess there's also obviously, uh, Paula as a parent and Daryl as a parent, uh, trying to sort of, uh, do the best for their kids, which is, I guess, an interesting contrast to, um, to Rebecca because she's come in from a sort of quite driven corporate lifestyle 
to be around people who have a priority above themselves, I think yeah. is an interesting conflict for her. I, I do think when you get past a certain age, <laughs> you can't blame your parents for everything, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that there can be, it is dangerous to to, to, to have a, a it, it becomes a bit simplistic if it's just like, look at look at what this person's parent did to them. It's, you know, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Because I, 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 I think my favourite sort of things within that genre because it is something that's been explored quite a lot in comedy because it's a good source of conflict. And I probably the top two just reacting to there. I would say that I enjoy are Steptoe and Son, uh, the father and son relationship in that, and also I think very similar to the relationship as I've seen it for the first few episodes. Um, of of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend versus the relationship that Bojack Horseman has with his mother. I was thinking about the, Bojack Horseman. I was, yeah, uh, I, I, was I, I, I think that's really well done, that that clearly he is not helping that situation and clearly she is she, she's another overbearing and terrible mum. Uh, but you, he's definitely got his own problems that have then added to that mix. And I, I think it's really well done. I think you, and the, they find a lot of good stuff to do with that. Whereas I kind of feel like at the moment, and I'm conscious that that, that is something that in Bojack Horseman built up over time. Yeah. And I got four episodes into this um, and then started to struggle. But I'm conscious that all that happens is a mum rings up, is awful, um, and then sometimes doesn't ring up for an episode and you sort of forget about her. And then she rings up and he's awful again. Yeah, and you can't work out how important she is. You just know that she's awful, and that's that's the only thing that's happened so far. My other sort of key problem with this as a show is that the episodes are forty minutes and not twenty-five or thirty minutes. Uh, and as yeah. a, I have a very poor attention span. I, I think I can happily watch sort of six episodes of Arrested Development back to back, but yeah. I can't watch a movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm the same. I have to, you know. like Michael Owen. Have you only seen seven <laughs> movies? <laughs> Michael Owen hadn't even read his own autobiography. <laughs> so musical comedies more widely, I think it's interesting because you, you, I don't think you even describe this to us as a musical comedy, Rob. I think you say, it is a musical, the first time you told me about it. <laughs> and I think there are probably people who run a mile from that and there are probably people who kind of get very excited about it. So I, having said that, I, I don't neither of those people are me because I'm kind of in general I like musicals uh, a lot and I to the extent that uh, the Amy Adams uh, film Enchanted where she's a Disney princess who ends up in the real world and is doing Disney musical numbers in the real world that the her new York lawyer love interest is like what is going on here why 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 are sort of the workmen in the street starting to do a dance with you I don't and he doesn't get it and I love that sort of thing about even the extent that well it's a musical and this doesn't make sense but it happens within the construct of it being a musical and so it does make sense so I, I kind of come from the point of view of liking all of that but I don't give it carte blanche in that I think the sound of music is probably the worst thing involving Nazis <laughs> that's ever happened uh, so <laughs> I'm I'm kind of split, but I do think, and this is very much not talking about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, but I think there are two kinds of comedies that can get, uh, or comedy more widely, that can kind of get an easy ride. And I think that is animated things and musical things. I think uh, a stand-up who walks on with a guitar will get a lot more patience uh, than someone who comes on and does some average stand-up, if they do some average stand-up songs. I've seen I've seen Stuart Lee do guitar stand up. 
<laughs> yeah, he, 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 there was no actual song. He walked on the on the stage uh, and just throughout his, his regular set, he would occasionally tune his guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, no, I, yeah, I, I can I can see that because I do think I do think it is possible for to get to an easy ride, I th- and I, th- I think both of those are true. I think anim- animation people will watch something and they'll go, "Oh, look at the bright colours and, and moving shapes," and they'll they'll sit through seven episodes of it, and maybe it'll yeah they'll just laugh because they're conditioned to laugh in the pauses when it plays it it might not have a laugh box but it'll have a little jingle that's like the and then you laugh yeah. at what brian and stewie have said and yeah. i do think those those can get a very easy ride and i don't uh, i by no means say this as someone who's not a fan of animated comedy uh two of the last comedies that i've fallen for in a big way have been bojack horseman and rick and morty uh and i think they're both very good but i do think comedies animated comedies can get an easy ride and i do think it's two of musicals as well uh, I think when you, in terms of what that's used for, I think you can do really good things with a song about a topic because it's something that if you were telling a story or you had a scene in a comedy, you could do that joke once and then you would move on because that's how dialogue works or how telling a story works. Whereas with mm-hmm. music, you can make you can do variations of a theme and you can hit that same thing four times in four verses. Uh, and so you can do all four of your funny jokes about that situation. And I think like the yoga song in this is a good example of ways that she thinks that, that Josh's current girlfriend is better than her. Uh, and she yeah. can do the ones about, oh, she's so good at yoga. Oh, she prefers anal sex. Oh, she this and that and the other. And she can kind of do all the jokes about it and build it up. And I think those work really well. And I think the daddy-daughter love song does the same sort of thing. And then there's some that you kind of feel like are... Uh, a bit of a thin premise that are spread out. So I think that the Settle For Me song uh, quite early yeah. on between her and, and Normal Man, as I know him because I never know anyone's names. Um, norm, normal Barman. Yeah, Greg. Um, that feels like, well, why have we all dressed up like it's La La Land? There, there aren't any jokes in this. Um, and so I do think you can kind of paper over some some yeah. cracks with that sort of approach. I think... I think um, Particularly for stand-up musical comedy, they definitely on the sort of on the the circuit get a much easier ride. Quite often, a musical song will have its punchline in the first maybe chorus, and then they'll do another two or three verses of yeah. it in the same punchline. And yeah. I think that is a problem because it yes, they they get a bit of an easy ride in terms of you know uh, less heckles, but I think it's also much more difficult to. Uh, it's easy to fall into some traps of kind of mediocrity with it. And I think the, the songs in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, I felt were more like the songs in a musical than they were in the songs, uh, than they were like songs by someone like Tim Minchin. Um, I feel like a few of them, I thought, yeah, this is a very funny song, like the Daddy Daughter Love song. Um, and then a few of the other ones, I was like, ah, I guess this is kind of like uh, exposition and plot development and... Uh, yeah, and then in the worst case scenario, it like that um, that uh, set for me song just kind of felt like filler. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't got and I, and I, and I kind of get that because I mean, how many episodes in a series, Rob? Oh, so it's it's about I think it's about fifteen. About you, so if you've got to think of two songs an episode for fifteen episodes, you've got to think of thirty funny songs that are about two to three minutes. Uh, and I can imagine there will be some filler in there and I, I can kind of forgive it, but it doesn't necessarily make me kind of want to watch it. And I, I'd agree that, and I quite like musical style songs. So like the West, the West Covina song that gets it all kind of started. Yeah. I think that's an example of what you're talking about where it's, it's that's like a, a song in a musical. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I really like the West Covina song. 
Um, I, think it's, I think it's quite funny. It's more of a plot song than a comedy yeah. song. Yeah, it's great. The, the West Covina song um, is there's constant. You constantly hear that. It gets very yeah. much. It becomes an earworm because right through all the seasons, it's almost like a second um, theme tune. Yeah, I, I've I've been singing it for for several days. The yeah. West Covina song after I watched my, my, my episodes of this. I really like the, the the theme tune and title sequence. I think that it's uh, it's actually one that I don't mind watching, even though Netflix yeah. lets you skip them. Yes, I, I think it's yes. very I think it's very funny, and I think it sets sets you gets you in the mood really well. And it and I also like that they've they've kind of purposefully in quite a lot of episodes lead into it with the line the, the final line of the pre-title sequence. They kind of someone will say something like, "How? Oh, did, yeah. Why did you even come down here?" And then it launches into the song about why she came down there. And I think that's very. I really like, I that. like that. I hadn't spotted that. That's good. They had such a strong opening credits, but then in season two and in season three, you have entirely different opening credits. Oh, wow. they, they change it completely each time. And they, and they are also very strong. I, I think Mike's cool. and my attention span might be able to handle skipping forward and watching the opening credits. <laughs> we might do that. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I do, I do fully intend to, to keep watching it though. I think, uh, I, I, I do find it pretty engaging and I think the characters are good. Um, I might skip forward through some of the songs, uh, though, because then I'll probably be able to cut the episodes down to a, a length that I can handle. So do you so do you like the bits between songs more than the songs? Uh, I like some of the song. If if it's a song that I can tell is going to be funny, if it's a character that's usually funny and it, the yeah. song's set up well, then I'll watch the song. But I don't like the filler songs. I'm probably the other way around. I'll, I'll watch the songs and you watch the rest, <laughs> and then we'll compare notes. So I, I approach yeah. the series like uh, I think like what what you were saying, Paul, about musicals with a bit of trepidation because I don't. You know, I'm not a big fan of musicals, musical theatre or anything like that. So to then, to the, to, so I kind of, as a song seems to start off, I think certainly in the first season, I'll be like, oh, it's time for a song. And then I go, oh no, this is actually, this is actually pretty good most of the time. But I don't feel like as I've watched the later seasons, I felt like that as much. So I, I, I think maybe the songs have also improved. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is available on Netflix in both the UK and the USA. Don't forget to let us know what you thought of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Contact us on Twitter and Instagram at Between Laughs or Facebook.com slash Between the Laughs. Or you can email us at Between the Laughs at gmail.com. I particularly like it when people tweet in to tell me that I'm wrong about everything. I don't like that, that so much, so please don't do that to me. Hey, hey lose <laughs> at me. <laughs> You regular listeners will know that our, that we've been uh, following the progress of the sitcom World Cup over the last few weeks. It's a very slow uh, burner. This week, it's game five of the sitcom World Cup. And uh, places in round two are rapidly filling up. So which of this week's dark comedies will make it through? It's the League of Gentlemen versus Inside Number Nine. Both of these written by Reese Shearsmith and Steve Pemberton, uh, with uh, Mark Gattis and Jeremy Dyson in the case of League of Gentlemen. But which one deserves to win? Which do you prefer, the League of Gentlemen or Inside Number Nine? Uh, Paul. Well, it's interesting because I probably, like a lot of people, watched Inside Number Nine because I had enjoyed League of Gentlemen. But I, I think they've definitely, you know, you can, you can, you can tell that they have worked on their worked on their craft in between. They've taken something that was already really good and certainly more interesting and, and unique than a lot of other people have been doing. And, you know, they're almost, I genuinely, I can't think of 
kind of two people who are more talented working in television. I think they're just taking the piss now because it's like, shall we just do a silent episode that's better than anything you've seen um, because we want another challenge? Shall we just do one in Iambic Pentameter because we're that good and it'll be the best in the series? Uh, so I, I, I said absolute walkover for them over their, their younger selves. Um, I, I Honestly, there's no programme I get more excited uh, to, to watch than Inside Number 9. Uh, I've not even seen uh, the League of Gentlemen, uh, so it's a pr- it's an open goal for uh, inside number nine for me. Uh, I actually put this is something I put forward as a as a future episode, so I'd love us to be able to really get oh, definitely get inside yeah. inside number nine. Um, I think it's a I think it's a great show between it's, the last inside inside number nine. Exactly, yeah. Uh, I, I how, think it'll be really difficult because I just, uh, just normally like, you feel like oh I might spot something that no one else has spotted, but they're just so clever yeah. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I, I, I was I would agree uh, my, my casting vote was unnecessary here but I would definitely make it 3-0 my one criticism is and it's inevitable I think with the, the style of what they do is that there's a lack of consistency not not every episode is amazing some episodes are incredible some of them are, are alright it's as I said it's funny Black Mirror exactly the same yes. uh, exactly the and same it's, problem it's, it's true and when so I haven't seen the third season because it was it was difficult to, to watch out here but I, around the time the third season was out in the UK I watched season two for the first time uh, and it was at the same time as Black Mirror was released and I couldn't I actually it actually made me dislike Black Mirror and I kind of stopped watching it because <laughs> it seemed like Black Mirror just seems so smug and, and self-satisfied in comparison to, to the the cleverness of of inside number nine and that it was also hilarious okay so that's a that's a i think it feels like a more than a three nil victory for inside number nine but it feels like inside number nine here could could even run away with the the world cup itself if we ever get the I, I think they've got one. some very good players yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> ironically identically identical players to uh it's like young young Ronaldo when he was a tricky winger who fell over a lot versus sort of peak Ronaldo powerhouse. <laughs> I can just do anything on my own and I'll win. And that's that. That's that's genuinely. I I think they are the Cristiano Ronaldo uh, of television comedy at the moment, as as opposed to the Wayne Rooney, where the Wayne the old one was better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's that's probably most of them, isn't it? Most things go a bit shit after a few series. There's, yeah, yeah, there's definitely some of that. So that's a 3-0 victory for inside number nine. They'll be heading to round two of the Sitcom World Cup. That's all we've got time for this episode. We'll be back within the next few weeks with Fleabag. In the meantime, it's goodbye from me. Bye. It's goodbye from me. Bye. It's goodbye from me. Arrivederci. Arrivederci.